Welcome to the Real Mama Pod. Real ass mom sharing real ass experiences. The things people don't tell you. Hey, Mama. Hey. Hey, Mama. Hey. What's going on, friend? Nothing. How are you, friend? I'm so happy to see you in the flesh. I know. I know. I know. It's for those of you who don't know, me and Devin, we don't live in the same city. So we have to travel to one another if we want to record in person. Um, so this is one of those special moments where we get to record in person. Yes. So I hope you're excited about today's episode. I am. I am. We get to talk about our journey to mamahood. Yes, indeed. We thought that this would definitely be one of those episodes that we have to record in person because mm-hmm. we both have two completely different <laughs> journeys to mamahood. Yeah. And our stories are so vulnerable and unique. So we definitely thought it would be great to have this conversation in person. Yeah, absolutely. So, so. That's why we're here today. Mm-hmm. That's why we're here today. So we're going to just jump right into it because our, our stories are, um, like I said, they're very vulnerable. They're very unique and they can be long, yeah. but we're not going to make them long. Yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so, yes, friend, you you had Drew first. Oh. You had Drew first. Yeah. So why don't we why don't we start with Drew's story? I knew he was gonna haze me into going first. It's okay. Uh so I'm not going back to back because I do have two. How about we do Drew, Eli, Eli and then Jay. Jay. Okay. Right. That that yeah. works. That works. Okay. So getting right into it, guys. Um, so I am a mama of two. Drew is my oldest. Um I really thought it's gonna take us like a year, uh six months to a year to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um because that's what I read doing research and things like that. So I was prepared for that. Mm-hmm. And I was okay with that. Yeah. And I wanted to have a little bit of fun with my husband before we want to. <laughs> before the kids yeah, actually get the, here. Right, exactly. So I have make, having fun trying to make a baby. So, um, but that didn't happen. I should have known something because my mom is really fertile. Yeah. My sisters are really fertile. <laughs> so why was I any different? <laughs> so the first round we did of ovulating and having sex, my ass got pregnant. Um, and so it was really weird because I kind of felt I was pregnant, but I kept putting it off. Mm. And so, and I, I felt it immediately, almost like three weeks later, I found out right before, before my period was was supposed to come or I had a missed period. Mm. I found out I was pregnant. Man. So long after. Yes. When I took the test, like one drop, one drop. Just like that. Like that. So I wanted to be a surprise for Jared. So I called my friend Ronica, who was living in Fort Irwin, California with us, which is a military base, um, mm-hmm. to help me create the surprise. And of course, I called you and was like, bitch, I'm pregnant. But, um, <laughs> like that quick, girl? Yeah, you just right. started two, exactly. two days like, ago. You sure? You sure? I'll look at this test. I'm going to screenshot it to you or send you a picture or whatever. So um, she helped me create this um, little gift for Jared. And it's not not known that I surprised you with little things, big things. So mm-hmm. I said, hey, baby, I got a surprise for you today. And he's like, what is it? So I showed him the box, and knees just buckled. Like, <laughs> oh, shit. Like, like, he was happy, but you could tell he was just like, what the super fuck? Super nervous. Happened, right? So that was really sweet or whatever. Pregnancy was super pretty easy. I'm not going to complain about anything besides hemorrhoids. Like, I got those. Man. So. You're expecting and you have hemorrhoids. Yep, that's very common. Didn't find out until after the fact. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, so struggle with that. And then I have thyroid issues. So just constantly going to my endocrinologist to make sure my levels was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so just those two things, I would say. Um, mom came into town. A few hours later, um, I started a bloody show. 
And so for those who don't know what a bloody show is, I didn't know what it was, but basically you start bleeding and your body is pretty much starting to labor or going to labor or start the process, right? But I didn't know that. So I went into the hospital. I also checked the baby group and I'm like, hey, y'all, I'm bleeding. Like, what the hell? Should I go to the doctor? And Kelly, she was like, girl, that's just a bloody show. But you can go <laughs> ahead if you want to because you're a first time mom and I know you're going to go. So and I was just like, okay. So I went in and of course she was correct. It was a bloody show. I was only one centimeter dilated, so they sent me back to um, home. So I labored at home. In my mind, I was going to do a natural birth, so I wanted to stay at home as much as I could. We had a whole barbecue for Abdul and Ronica, because at this point, they were moving to Germany, mm-hmm. and we were counting contractions in between the barbecue and eating and stuff, and they were really <laughs> strong and really <laughs> intensive. And so um, when it became like three, four minutes apart, Jerry was like, it's time to go. I'm calling the shots. It's time to go. Let's go. So we go, and they were like, oh, you are only two centimeters, but every time you contract, the baby heart rate drops, so we're going to keep you. So we said, okay, didn't think nothing of it. By the 18, 19 hour, I couldn't take the pain no more because I was contracting, but I was not dilating. Um, So I was just like, what's the point of trying to go natural? I don't know how long I'm going to be here. I could see if I was, like, dilating. I'm like, okay, Five more minutes, 10 more minutes, an hour. No, I'm like, I got hours on this thing. So go ahead and just call the doctor and let me get my epidural. So Jerry is just like, nah, babe, you said don't let you get on epidural no matter what. I said, you don't shut the F up. Get the dog on doctor. And then my mom went, well, I had all y'all natural. I don't care what you did. Yeah, okay? Be quiet. <laughs> now, I had to apologize to both of them after the contraction was over. But like... When you are in that, like, you don't want to hear nothing but, okay, I'm going to go get the doctor. Mm. So, still not dilating. Check me um, in the morning. I'm only, like, four centimeters. Oh, okay. Um, so, they was like, okay, we're going to try to help you by breaking your water. Broke my water. Helped a little bit. They was like, okay, we're going to give you some Pitocin. Once I had the Pitocin, it was on and popping. Was ready to push by uh, 130, 145. Drew came out at 2 o'clock. So we did the delayed... Um, cutting? Yep, umbilical cord cutting. Mm-hmm. And I noticed he wasn't crying. I was like, okay, that's kind of strange. Then we did skin to skin. The boy still wasn't crying. We didn't know what we were having as far as the sex. So when Drew came out, my mom was like, oh my God, it's a boy! And I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a boy. In my spirit, I felt like he was a boy. So I wasn't surprised. Yeah. But then you I'm know. like, you know, he's not crying like this is not normal like we're going like two three minutes now so the nurse grabs him and i'm like what are you doing she was like we don't like his color what the f you mean you don't like his color (laughs) so i'm like what does that mean so then i feel myself trying to get up but i can't move they forgot to take Mm. the epidural out so i'm like hey can somebody take this epidural so this shit can get out of me so i can go see what the hell is wrong with my baby (laughs) So they take the epidural out, and a few minutes later, I start getting the shakes. And I'm like, okay, what is this? What is happening? My baby's all the way over there. I can't move. Yeah. Okay? I'm trying to move, but now I'm shaking, and I can't control it. And I'm just like, Jerry, what is happening? But then I'm not trying to, like, stress him out because I know he's with the baby. Yeah. So, and I could see them, like, working on Drew. So I'm like, then, out of nowhere, this whole team of doctors and nurses... Come in. So I'm like, oh my God. And so I'm friends with the nurses because Fort Irwin is very small. It's a military installation. So you kind of get to know everybody. So I'm like, what is going on? So I know the lead nurse. And she's like, well, we're going to send him to the NICU because he's having trouble breathing. Mm. And um, he's not breathing on his own. What? 
So I'm like, okay. I'm like, please release me with him. And it was like, oh, we can't. You have to use the bathroom first at least before we release you. So I'm like, okay, well, Jared, you get on the helicopter with him. And Jared was and like, he had to get airlifted. airlifted two hours away. Oh, so okay. Jared's like, okay, okay, whatever I got to do. They said, like, oh, sir, you can't get on that helicopter with us because it's only enough room for the team. I said, wait a minute. Y'all got my new my new baby flying to the NICU two hours away and his daddy can't be with him. I can't be with him. You don't have to drive. So Jared just bucked. Soon as they say he had to drive, he left. Okay, he got there before the helicopter because they were still doing work on him and doing all these tests before mm-hmm. they airlifted him to make sure he could be airlifted. Yeah. Um, so he gets to the NICU. He lets me know he's there. Jared was a straight trooper. Didn't sleep for like 72 hours. And I begged my doctors to release me. So once I used the bathroom, I was able to go. So um, by 2 a.m., I start packing my stuff because I knew it was going to take me a long time because I was so sore um, yeah. to get out of the hospital. My mm-hmm. nurse had to bathe me. She was also my Zumba instructor. Like, it was just so <laughs> Way to so be. Wait, that's the community. Right. That and is I'm the community. Like, I cannot bathe myself. And then I'm like mentally I'm all jacked up. I don't know how my baby is. My milk is not coming in. And I'm trying to pump and try to do all these things. Me and my mom finally gets downstairs, get in the car, and we drive two hours. And that was, like, so painful because I felt everything, every bump, every everything. Miserable ride. Get there, do skin to skin with Drew, go back because they recommend I get rest, too. So went back to the um, Ronald McDonald place. They were phenomenal. It was, like, some housing they provide for families that are in the NICUs. And it's like a discounted rate. So I think it was like $13 a day or something like that. Um, and they called me and it was like, Drew pulled out his um, breathing tubes. And I was like, what? And it was like, no more. he breathed it on his own. And so I had a doula, not for the uh, birthing process, but for my placenta pills. And she kept pushing, like, just do skin to skin, just do skin to skin. They didn't give him enough time. But I was so scared. I'm like, my baby not breathing. Like, whatever machine they going to put him on, I ain't trying to risk it. Yeah. So I hear you, <laughs> but I'm going to err on the side of caution here because mm-hmm. I don't need no experimenting over here. Yeah. So, um, but she was like, see, I told you the skin to skin worked. And I was like, yeah, you're right, but I'm glad I had this too. Um, so we did the skin to skin and, um, we spent eight days in the NICU. They still, to this day, they couldn't really tell me what was wrong with him. I'm wondering. Um, so his white blood cell count was up. And so they were saying his body was fighting some type of infection, but they don't know what infection it was. And then they don't know what caused him to go into distress and not be able to breathe. Um, so those eight days felt like 80 days in that NICU. It was so long. Um, there was a baby who passed away in there. Um, there was a, 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 a set of parents who couldn't see their babies because they had a set of twins. One twin was in the NICU, one twin wasn't, and then they had two other babies at home. So this dad oh was like gosh. struggling to like try to get there and be there for his wife and all this other stuff. So we tried to help him as much as we could yeah. with the twins and like hold the baby. We asked him, of course. But try to love on that baby too. Yeah. Um, it was just really oh, it was so sad. I hated that place. But hindsight being 2020, the NICU was a blessing. And mm-hmm. I say that because I try to find something positive in everything. Um, we had round clock care. Mm-hmm. We were able to sleep. It wasn't sleep, sleep because your baby in the NICU, but you still got to rest without a baby waking you up. 
And then they are teaching you cool things and things to look out for that you don't really get when you spend two days in the hospital. So I was thankful for that experience. And it was like a cheat code almost. So being in that, I was just like, oh, hell no. I want to get out of here. But after coming home to that baby crying every two hours and I got to nurse and feed and figure out what is wrong and not having a nurse there, like that was eye opening. And so I really appreciated the NICU staff, the nurses, everybody was so awesome. Besides one doctor who tried to tell me my baby was cognitively delayed because he wouldn't eat. But Drew had to get a whole bunch of tubes down his throat. And so he had difficulty swallowing. And I'm like, that has nothing to do with cognitive ability. So like I told you guys, I'm a psychologist, a school psychologist, and I went to school to study that stuff. So you can't sit here and try to tell me right. my baby has a cognitive uh, delay because he can't swallow. And the baby ain't swallow. even a, right. a week said, or two old. So <laughs> I had to lay in her ass that day. And, and Rightfully so. She was like, baby, I got it. Uh, no, you be quiet, okay, because they going to know not to mess with this one. <laughs> You, I'm not just some mom you could just sit here and just and try to... speak that over your right, child. Right, you're not going to speak that over my child. You didn't give him a chance. Okay? Exactly. So um, besides that, it was really helpful. I, got, I had some really good um, consultants help me with breastfeeding because I struggled with my milk supply because my experience was so traumatic yeah. that my milk just like didn't come in for a long time. So just learning different techniques and things like that. But so if you are a NICU mom, um, and a lot of times it's unexpected for us, and I feel like there's yeah. not like a lot of education out there. It's just something that ha- if it happens to you, you just have to go and figure it out. Yeah. But if you are in the NICU right now, you're listening to this podcast, just know that things are going to be better on the other side. Don't let anybody speak anything over your child. Always ask as many questions as you want to. Yeah. Um, and it's okay to step away and get rest because if you're not well, that baby is not going to be well. And I know you want to sit up there all day because I felt that way too, but I did feel good when I did get a good night's rest. Mm -hmm. And I was able to really be physically there for my child. Yeah. Man, you had a whole like experience. It's like your pregnancy went so well. You Mm -hmm. got pregnant quickly. Your pregnancy with Drew was pretty easy. Mm -hmm. And then like when he gets here, it's like, whoa. Yeah. You weren't expecting that. Right. So it's always this unknown. You never know what you're going to expect when you have these kids and when right. they get here. Right. Like, you just, you can never mm-hmm. plan for this kind of stuff. Right. Um. So, yeah, thank you for sharing Drew's story. Mm-hmm. Um. So Devin has made it clear <laughs> that I'm going to follow up with Eli's story <laughs> after hers. But, bef- you know, before we get into Eli's story, I had a, a, a real journey um, to becoming a mom. So I, me and my husband got married um, in May of 2017. And my brother was actually getting married in October of 2017. And I was a bridesmaid in he and my sister-in-law's wedding. So I did not want to be a pregnant bridesmaid. So me and Jonathan, you know, we decided that we would wait until at least after the wedding to try to get pregnant. So Devin shared, you know, like it takes a while. Typically, it takes a while for um, for women to get pregnant. So, you know, we were expecting, you know, a little delay, but we started trying in October 2017 weren't getting pregnant and I was like I don't know what's going on now granted my mom is not as fertile <laughs> as Devin's mom but she did have you know two kids and from my understanding it was fairly easy for her 
Um, but my mom had us a lot younger as well at 21. And I was then, what, 29 or 30? I don't know how old I was. But um, we were trying to have a, a kid and get pregnant. And I was not, I wasn't getting pregnant. So I was like, what is going on? Um, so I ended up getting pregnant in September of 2018. So it took nearly a year for me to get pregnant. And got pregnant. I, I didn't wait to <laughs> to tell uh, my husband. I didn't surprise him. I'm like, listen, bro, I don't know what's going on. My period's not here. I'm taking it as a sign that I might be pregnant. So let's, you know, we took the test together and ended up being a positive pregnancy test. So we were elated. We were super happy because it took us forever to get pregnant. And we were like, this is it. Like, so we're celebrating this moment. And I go in for my first ultrasound, which, you know, it's the 10-week ultrasound. So I went in for that. And while we're in the ultrasound room, mm -hmm. we're just sitting there. And, you know, the, the tech has the wand or whatever. Um, she's rubbing it against my belly. And we know, like, we're supposed to hear some type of heartbeat, right. something. And it was dead silence. So I was like, I wonder what's going on. I didn't even think about a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I, I I'm not, I know I'm not getting or having a miscarriage. So the tech ended up, you know, saying, you know, there is no heartbeat. And we were like, what? Mm -hmm. So it took us a while to process that moment because we just knew, like, this is, we're, we're not experiencing a miscarriage. You're doing Exactly. So I'm like, no, something got to be wrong. Um, but my, my pediatrician, or not my pediatrician, Lord, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm way ahead. My, my OBGYN came in. And she did explain, you know, that I was experiencing a miscarriage. And I was distraught in that moment. Me and my husband both. We were in dead silence. We didn't know what was going on. We didn't know how to process that. And, you know, of course, she was very empathetic. And she shared, like, this happens more often than you think. Typically, more women experience miscarriages than they don't. Mm -hmm. So while, you know, you hear these statistics of how often it happens, you don't want to be a part of those statistics. Right. So we were, you know, it took us a, a while to really process that and understand that, you know, we just experienced a miscarriage. So our baby lived until uh, like nine weeks and maybe like six days. And our so it, it passed shortly before that appointment. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have any symptoms. Mm -hmm. Like I wasn't cramping. I wasn't bleeding. I didn't have any symptoms as it relates to a miscarriage. So I had no idea. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't expect that. Mm. So even after um, we found out that we had miscarried the baby, I had to wait an extra week to have mm. a DNC. It's either DNC or DNE. I always get it mixed up. But I had to get the baby surgically removed. And the process wasn't long at all. Um, my OB performed the surgery. And I really missed that woman. She was amazing. Um, and she reassured me, like, everything, you know, it's going to be okay. Like, we're not, we're going to, of course, like, you can process this as right. you as you should, um, but we're not going to stress about this. We're going to keep it moving, and we're going to get you pregnant mm -hmm. again. So I'm like, okay. In that moment, I was like, it, there is no hope. You know, yeah. it took us forever to get pregnant. I'm pregnant now, and now the baby has passed away. So right. I'm like, at this point, I'm like, well, it is what it is, whatever. So... I had to end up having follow-up appointments, of course, to make sure my body was regulating. And, of course, that comes with blood work. So 
I had an appointment with my OB, and she was like, Kendra, your prolactin levels are really high. And I was like, what is prolactin? Like, I don't even know what that is. Right. <laughs> she was like, it's a hormone um, that shows through your, bro- your blood work when you are essentially pregnant, or mm-hmm. it can show when you're essentially pregnant. And it can throw off your uh, reproductive system, just a whole bunch of language that I did not understand. Right. So I was like, okay, well, how do we fix this? Like, right. I don't even know what this is, but it, whatever it is, you're bringing it up to me. How do we fix it? So I had to end up seeing an endocrinologist, and they had to you know, do an MRI to, to check my pituitary gland, which is what triggers prolactin. And after getting the results of that MRI, it turns out I have a microadenoma. I'm going to read to you all what a microadenoma okay. is, right? So, Because I didn't know what. I was I like, oh, what? <laughs> so she told me, she's like, you know, it's a, a very small benign tumor that sits on your pituitary gland. Mm-hmm. So all I heard was tumor right. in my brain. Right. And I was like, Lord, I got, <laughs> I got brain cancer. <laughs> but I don't have brain cancer. Um, but I'm going to read you all the formal definition. So it's a very small non-cancerous tumor that typically develops in the pituitary gland. Mm-hmm. So it is a very, very, very small, very small tumor. It's like pea size. Okay. And it can affect your reproductive system. Okay. So it can trigger your body to not get pregnant because it's already thinking that it is. is. Oh, so okay. I was like, so you mean to tell me I got to deal with this now? Right. So like, how am I going to get pregnant if my body already thinks that it's pregnant? Right. So in that moment, it, I, I got confirmation of that maybe a few months after I had the miscarriage. Mm-hmm. So I felt defeated. I'm right. like, I have so much going on with my body. My body doesn't know what to do. It doesn't know if it's pregnant or not. Mm-hmm. It's not pregnant, but it thinks it is because of this microadenoma. Right. So it, it was a lot to process. So like I said, I felt defeated. You know, I told Jonathan, I just, you know, want to get this regulated right. and just, you know, really just make sure my body is prepared before we even start trying again. Right. So after getting confirmation for the microadenoma, my endocrinologist wanted to follow up and say, hey, let's get some more blood work just to kind of see if your levels, your hormone levels have decreased. And if they haven't, then we'll have to prescribe you with a medication that will lower your hormone levels. Right. So I was like, okay. So ended up getting the blood work, endocrinologist called me and was like, hey, Kendra, your hormone levels have actually regulated. So I was like, what? Like, it just happened out of nowhere. So I was like, thank God, because obviously, you know, prayer. I'm like, we got to (laughs) pray. We got to we got to get this away. So I was like, all right. But even getting confirmation that my levels had normalized, I still wasn't ready to start trying to have another kid because I didn't feel like going through that whole process again. Right. So March of 2019, um, you know, me and my husband are doing to do being doing what husband and wife do. <laughs> and I ended up getting pregnant. So I was like, you know, this was not planned. It wasn't like the first kid, mm-hmm. you know, we were, intentionally trying to get pregnant uh, but this time it just happened mm-hmm. and I was like okay so maybe maybe we are supposed to be doing this thing mm-hmm. right so I ended up finding out that I was pregnant um in early April <laughs> um, me and my husband had just came back from a trip and I had a missed period and I was like okay let's see what's going on here mm-hmm. ended up taking a pregnancy test and it came back positive so I was like yes we're doing this thing mm-hmm. 
So ended up, you know, being pregnant with my son and throughout this whole pregnancy, when I tell y'all, I had all the symptoms, right? So I was nauseous, Mm -hmm. throwing up every morning. Like it was just bad. It was pretty bad. (laughs) I couldn't even brush my teeth without throwing up. I couldn't eat shrimp, which I love seafood. Couldn't eat shrimp. Mm -hmm. Couldn't just a whole bunch of stuff right but i was like i'm gonna be thankful for this because i wanted to be pregnant this is what i prayed for mm-hmm. this is what's here and i'm gonna take it all in mm-hmm. while on this journey also found out that i had gestational diabetes mm-hmm. so let me tell y'all something french fries is my absolute favorite food okay mm-hmm. everyone who knows about french fries knows that it's high carb <laughs> very fattening not a good diet for folks who have diabetes right, right? And I'm like, how is it that I got the nausea? I got the gestational diabetes now. I got to regulate what I eat. I got to prick myself every four hours or so to check blood work or blood levels, blood sugar levels, everything. Just a mess. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, you know, it is. I'm going to take it on like I did everything else. And we're going to keep this train rolling. Okay. So I got diagnosed with gestational diabetes in August was it July, August of 2019? Mm-hmm. Ended up, you know, dealing with that. <sighs> One day, we're, we're moving down the timeline, y'all. So we're in October of 2019. And I, at the time, I was a graduate student at the University of Missouri. And um, I, my ankles were really swollen one day. Mm-hmm. Um, my nose was spreading, which, you know, I'm thinking this is normal pregnancy symptom right. like this is this is this is what pregnant women yeah, look like right I thought so too. It, yeah mm-hmm. right so came home one day everything's swollen and my husband looks at me like hey you okay I'm like yeah I'm fine I'm just trucking it along like I do every day and I said I'm like you know Eli is not really moving as much as he usually does but I don't know if it's because of the long day I've had or what mm-hmm. so I have a cousin who's a nurse and he was like, let's call Kiva. That's my cousin's name. And ask her, like, you know, is this normal? Like, should we go see the doctor? Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm, I think you're being a little dramatic, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and call Kiva. So my cousin, she was like, um, I think you need to go get that checked out because, you know, if he's usually active, you know, just make sure that everything right. is okay. Uh, so I was like, okay. So ended up going to the emergency room Mm -hmm. and they had me, of course, you know, checking vitals and they had me connected to the blood pressure machine. And I just heard all this beeping like it was just nonstop beeping. Mm -hmm. And I don't typically have high blood pressure. or I didn't. I I didn't have high blood pressure. So I didn't that that beeping noise didn't signal me for anything concerning So after about an hour, the doctor came in. She was like, hey, your blood pressure has been extremely high since you've been here. And I'm like, hmm, you know, I find that strange because, one, I've never had high blood pressure. And, two, I had just had an appointment maybe a week before that, and my blood pressure was fine. So she was like, you know, we're going to keep you here a little while longer just to monitor you. So at this point, I'm stressed because I'm like, it's like two in the morning at this mm-hmm. point. Um, as I mentioned, I was in grad school, so I had a presentation 
in class the next day, mm-hmm. and I also taught classes. So I also had to teach the next day. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, there's no way I can sit in this hospital when I got all this responsibility right. outside of the hospital. So turns out, doctor came back in. She says, you have mild preeclampsia. And I'm like, what is I've never heard of preeclampsia. Right. Okay. So essentially preeclampsia is, um, it's labeled as something that affects your blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you don't monitor it properly, then you could stroke out. Like they're telling me all this stuff and I'm right. like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Strokes and all this. Like right. I didn't sign up for this cause I've never heard of this. Um, but at that time it was mild. Right. So they said I likely wouldn't carry my son past 37 weeks. Um, wow. And if yeah, it was it was really it was hard to hear because yeah. I again, something I did not expect. Right. So they still had me connected to this machine and my um, my blood pressure was not regulating. Mm-hmm. So sometimes some hospitals, um, they'll send you home if you have mild preeclampsia mm-hmm. and they'll have you come in like I think almost every day to get mm-hmm. your blood pressure checked. But they wanted to keep me because there was also protein in my urine. So the high blood pressure with the protein, it was like, you know, no, you're going to stay at least overnight so that we can monitor you. Well, quickly, my mild preeclampsia turned into severe Mm preeclampsia. So they were like, okay, now you are going to have to stay here until the baby's born. And at this point, I was 30, I was about 30 weeks. I was on the 30-week mark. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, wait, my child, I'm only 30 weeks pregnant right now. Mm-hmm. If I'm having to stay here until he's born and you're telling me I can't now carry him past 34 weeks, yeah. that means that I have to stay in this hospital for a month. Yeah. And I, the way my life is set up, I cannot do that. <laughs> but my husband, he was like, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to do what you need to do. Yeah. Like, if we, we got to stay in this hospital, we got to stay in this hospital. Yeah. So I ended up having to stay in the hospital. And my husband was there with me every night. My mom flew in the morning that she got the call from my husband. And they were both there with me every day and night for, I was in the hospital for three weeks and four days. Mm-hmm. Or no, it was like four weeks. So my son ended up being born um, at 33 weeks and four days, which means he was premature. Mm-hmm. Okay. Premature means he's likely going to have to go to the NICU. Mm-hmm. So he ended up, he was born at three pounds and 14 and a half ounces. Mm -hmm. So he, with his small birth weight and them just wanted to make sure he was okay. He, he was in the NICU for two weeks in one day. And he got out fast. He, and he did. And I'm so thankful for that because like Devin mentioned, those Mm -hmm. NICU days are hard. Mm -hmm. They're long. The NICU is amazing. Mm -hmm. Like all, everything Devin talked about, I experienced as well, all the way in Missouri. Mm -hmm. And the NICU, it was hard. Like, I didn't like seeing my child in this, uh, look like an incubator <laughs> thing. I remember they had the, I think they're called Billy Lights or mm-hmm. something, because he had jaundice as well. And just seeing him laying in this machine with these little, they had little yeah. shades on, I was like, it, seeing him like that really just, it, yeah. it just overwhelmed me. And I, mm-hmm. it, I, it was one day where I was just in tears. Mm-hmm. But, Again, to your point, Devin, mm-hmm. having that time to really get myself physically well, mm-hmm. start pumping and getting my body ready to feed him. Mm-hmm. And I think the breast milk also helped him with his um, his transition out of the NICU mm-hmm. uh, and just getting to his full self. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but that that whole process was a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're here. Yeah. And Eli is a big boy. A big boy. Um, Love to and eat. yes, he loves to eat. He's super fun mm-hmm. and just the sweetest thing. Women so he's a premature baby. Yeah, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. Um, but I, even though his journey or the journey to having Eli was long and hard, mm-hmm. I would not trade it for the world. I wouldn't trade it for the world. So, um, yeah, that's that's my story. I'm and just so happy your doctors was on it. Like, yeah. you know, they cared about you because, you know, you hear about the death rate of African-American women mm-hmm. and pregnancy and giving birth and things like that. It's really scary. So I'm glad, even though you weren't necessarily paying attention to your body, your husband was <laughs> and your doctors oh, were. My cousin. You know, your cousin, you know. And it's so. scary because, like you said, like the – Black women have a high mortality rate right. when it comes to black maternal mm-hmm. health. And I was in Missouri. I yeah. was in rural Missouri. Yeah. And I can't say that I trusted everyone around me, mm-hmm. you know, with yeah. taking care of someone that didn't look like them. Mm-hmm. But when I tell you that hospital was yeah. top notch, like yeah. I'm still even friends with some of the nurse mm-hmm. techs and nurses that helped yeah. <laughs> that supported me while I was there That's on good. Facebook. So community. Yes. All about it. It's all about networking. the community. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that friend and Thanks, thank you friend. for being so vulnerable. Yes. Um, yes. And of I course know. you knew all of this. Yeah. Already. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. I know. It's good to reflect. Yeah. Reflect and see how far Eli has come in you. So, <laughs> so oh. tell us about Jay. Oh, Jay was super <laughs> unexpected. Okay. <laughs> so we went to uh, Europe and for a family trip, to see our same friends, Ronica and Abdul, so they could meet Drew in person because mm-hmm. the day I gave birth, they had to leave. And so she missed Drew's birth by an hour, but she wouldn't have been able to meet him anyways because of all the NICU stuff. Anyway, so we made a point to go see them, and we were just having a good time in Prague and one too many Prague drinks. And um, <laughs> my behind got see, pregnant. See, you, you like you a little beverage. You be so active. whatever happens in Prague does not stay there. But honestly, I cannot imagine my life without Jay and our family without Jay because he just completes us. Mm. Um, so he's a little firecracker. He real chill, but he's an Aries. So when, mm. you know, he got to turn up, he will. Yeah. Um, he will put you in your place. Um, but yeah, super easy pregnancy again. I got huge though. Oh, Jesus. I was so big with Jay. <laughs> and Jay was nine pounds, four ounces. Okay. Um, Drew was nine too. So I, I just have big babies. Um, and I read something, too, when you have thyroid issues, sometimes it connects to a larger birth rate uh, mm-hmm. of your baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, 9-4, um, I contracted mainly at home. By the time I got to the hospital, I was 6 or 7 centimeters. And it was like, so do you want an epidural or not? And I was like, yeah, there was no question about it this time. <laughs> like, like, I'm, I'm not playing. Yes. I done had it one time. I ain't trying to be, no, you don't get no trophy. Nobody cares. <laughs> and no, I'm not shaming anybody who decides to go natural because I think it's beautiful. And I really wanted that for myself. But my pain tolerance, yeah, I'm not set up <laughs> for that. So um, anyway, got the epidural. And he came like two, three hours later. He was so quick. And so a part of me, I was so scared when he came out. I'm like, oh, my God, is he going to cry? Yeah. Please, I don't want to go to the NICU. But the good thing about this hospital, we were in Orlando at this time. He, um, there was a NICU attached, so I wouldn't have to fly and drive and do all the stuff I had to do for Drew. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was thankful for that, and um, that was something I made sure of um, when we picked that hospital. 
Um, again, being in California on a military installation, we didn't have much of a choice. But because we were in a limbo time, um, I was able to choose the hospital that I wanted and actually, you know, chose something with the NICU attached. Mm-hmm. Um, but didn't need the NICU because the boy came out screaming like he was a toddler. So <laughs> the doctor was like, is that a newborn? Or, like, has he been here before? And I'm like, I know. He sounded just like Drew. So um, not when Drew was born, but Drew at two at the time. <laughs> um, so so he sounded like a two-year-old Right, he child. sounded like a two-year-old. And, you know, we came home two days. He was jaundiced, so we had to go back a few times. But... Other than that, super easy, super chill baby. Um, people say your second baby is your wild child. It was my first. <laughs> Jay is totally opposite of Drew because um, Drew was supposed to be birth control, but he wasn't, I guess. Um, but so opposite, so chill. I was concerned about not being able to love them equally, but somehow, mm-hmm. like you do. Yeah. Um, somehow you manage to figure it out. Like all the things, like don't get me wrong, it's hard being a mom of two, but all the things I was worried about, like, kind of went out the window. Mm. Um, and things fall in place. Drew matured. Drew was helpful. Drew wasn't this baby that he always was. And don't get me wrong, he has meltdowns and things like that. But everybody just fit in where they get in, yeah. basically. So, <laughs> get um, in where you yeah, fit in. Jay was super easy, nothing scary. And I was thankful for that because I don't know if I would be able to handle that again. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, hopefully, if you and Ferg are thinking about baby number two, just mm. know going with the open mind and mm. things maybe look different the second time around. <laughs> well, we going to pray on that. Yeah, we're going to pray. I'm going to pray. We're going to pray, pray my, on that. My quiet prayer. Yeah, you know? we're going to pray on that. Um, but thank you all for listening to our vulnerable yeah. and unique stories. We yeah. told you that we all have different stories, yeah. even within your two kids they're two completely different stories um but with all this talk all of this Mm -hmm. all of this Mm -hmm. i know i needed a sip i took a couple sips of my drink i took a couple sips (laughs) um so our mama juice for today yes what is it called it's called the real mama Mm, it's called the real mama Mm -hmm. because we are real mamas Mm -hmm. You know, we did some real things. We, we did some kids. real things, had yeah. some real experiences, mm-hmm. and th- we couldn't, there was no other name for yeah. this but the real mama. I like that. And the real mama is subtle, but it also got some kick to it. Mm. Okay, so, what we got? What we, what's the next one? What's the we're getting, yeah, we have, we have levels to this drink. Mm-hmm. So it has cucumber. Mm-hmm. It has mint. Mm-hmm. It has half an ounce. It has a fourth of lime. Okay. And two ounces of ginger. Love it. That's the real mama. Okay. Real mama. So, nice. yeah, I suggest about four to five slices of cucumber. <laughs> um, a few, you know, cool leaves, mint leaves. And then you have your half ounce of honey, your fourth of lime, and your two ounces of gin. Love it. Love it. That's our mama drink. Okay. Our mama juice for today. So for Mama's Corner, I'm gonna ask you. Um, in Mama's Corner, for those who are just listening, it's an opportunity for our listeners to write into us uh, whether mm-hmm. you have advice, whether um, you're seeking advice, whether you have a mommy hack that you want to share, or if you just want to vent to us. Yeah. Um, we are happy to listen and read and share with our listeners. Um, so 
this is only our second episode, so <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. what is a mommy hack that you have that you can share? Um, so right now we are in this potty training phase. Oh. And before I even had kids, <laughs> I always said potty training is going to be the one thing that I'm not going to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Simply because I don't have the patience for it. Right. I want my baby to come out already trained. <laughs> <laughs> but I know that that is not possible. If there mm-hmm. are babies that came out trained, I need to meet them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, from what I've read and um, and what I see, like in, the, in with friends and family who have kids, right. you have to be creative in, in how you train your kids, yeah. right? And you got to know your kid. Mm-hmm. You got to know what they like, what they, what keeps them entertained what keeps them still what really keeps them not necessarily focused but indirectly focused on what the goal is and that's sitting on that potty and Mm -hmm. using it or standing because Eli likes to stand yeah um (laughs) (laughs) but my mama hack for this episode is finding what your kid likes in terms of potty training so what i did eli loves dinosaurs so my husband and i we found dinosaur potty training books mm-hmm. and they all have like sound and music that's attached to the book he loves music as mm-hmm. well so it just it was perfect he loves books and he loves music mm-hmm. and he loves dinosaurs so it's a trifecta so that book and then we also with the book right it came like a dinosaur potty chart mm-hmm. he loves stickers too mm-hmm. so the the chart allows you to put a sticker by each mark so if you asked to use the potty if you've used the potty if you've sat on the potty like it really just highlights all levels Mm -hmm. of potty training and every time Eli does one of those tasks Mm -hmm. he's able to put a sticker on his chart love it and when he uses the potty right Mm -hmm. there's a potty crown that he gets to wear so yeah these are my that that, that's my hack for the week is really just kind of finding what your kid loves when it comes to potty training and Mm -hmm. using it to your advantage yeah. And every time he uses the potty, we put his little potty crown on. He's mm-hmm. put his sticker on his chart, and we're mixing in Baby Shark, too. He loves Baby Shark. Okay. So we give him his favorite treat, mm-hmm. and we only give him this treat when he uses the potty. Okay. And we let him put his crown on, and we play Baby Shark. Love and it. he just dances around with <laughs> his snack and his crown, living his best life. life. So that is my mommy hack for the week. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. So, um... We are coming to the end of our second show. We're wrapping I up. Know. This that is, is the awesome. End. This yeah. Is the end. So you guys can reach us um, on all social media platforms. We're on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Pinterest. Mm-hmm. Um, because we will be pinning some things. Um, but yeah, you can reach us um at the Real Mama Pod. That's on all our social media platforms. And then me personally, you can reach me at Dev D E V Grace G R A C E underscore mm-hmm. where can they reach you and i'm at kendra ferg underscore and that's k-e-n-d-r-a-f-e-r-g underscore yes and so if you want to send in your advice letters if you want to send in your venting letters or your mommy hacks feel free to email us at mama at the real mama pod.com yes and, and i'm sure you all have seen our merch. Mm-hmm. We talked about it in mm-hmm. our last episode. And Hopefully if you're you watching, the <laughs> yes, um, we have sweatshirts and hats and 
jewelry and just fun things that mamas love to wear. Mm-hmm. So if you are interested in our merch, you can find it on our website mm-hmm. at www.therealmamapod.com. And you can also learn more about our community, mm-hmm. more about us and, and what our goal and vision is for this podcast. And all of that information, again, it's on www.therealmamapod.com. And one last thing, um, if you like what you're hearing, whatever, wherever you stream your podcast, please rate us, mm-hmm. subscribe, share with your friends, yes. and let them know that they can be a part of the community. Yes, we're building community here. Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about, yes, community. Absolutely. So we'd like to thank you for our, your time, and we also would like to give a huge shout-out to Yawande Addy for making us such lit songs. Yes, yes, um, yes. We are so proud of our song, and we are just really happy to be here and happy that you were here joining us for the second time and hopefully the third, fourth, fifth, <laughs> and sixth, so on. and so on, and all so the way on. to the infinity and beyond. <laughs> all right, Buzz Lightyear. Yes. <laughs> Well, friend, you got anything else? No, I think all hearts and minds are clear. Okay, all right. All right. Well, good night, ladies. Good night. Thank you for joining us. Bye-bye. Stay at home on 9 to 5.